Good morning, good morning. Good to see you all here. How wonderful. If you've walked through this door this morning and you don't know that God is your strength and your shield, I hope by the time you walk out of here you will know that. That's my prayer for you this morning. It's the prayer for me uh, this morning. Uh, it's good to have you with us. We had a um, leadership retreat here yesterday. Uh, we had a great time. I want you to know, City View, that God has given you very good and godly leaders. Uh, you need to know that. And we had a great time. We were very open and honest. And we disagreed with one another. And we still loved one another. And so that is wonderful. You'll hear a little bit more about what we talked about at that retreat over the next coming weeks. Uh, but um, why don't you, uh, at the end of the service, just go hug a leader today. Uh, they, need you, they need your hugs. Uh, and happy Family Day weekend. Uh, it's appropriate that we have the kids with us this morning because of the, the Family Day weekend. And it, it's great having them here on the third Sunday of every month because it changes the dynamic of our gathering. And it gives us an opportunity to change things up a little bit. And uh, we, we always try to do something a bit different on the third Sunday of the month. And this one is certainly no exception. So be warned. I just wanted to throw that non-liability clause out there. Uh, especially for those of you who are visiting us for the first time or who are listening online for the first time. Uh, this is... Um, slightly different way of doing things. Um, we are growing. We are growing. There we go. We're growing. And we're looking to grow more like Jesus. We're looking to grow in our spiritual lives, looking by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit to grow in areas of our lives that need attention. And we are keeping that in mind by illustrating that word, grow, each Sunday. And this Sunday, on the third Sunday of every month, we see how much two of our fastest growing children have grown in the last month. It's the battle of the Lees versus the Barons. The greatest consent contest since Ali and Frazier. So it's time for the weigh-in, or should I say the measure-up. Uh, so um, James and Xavier, come on, and one of the parents of one of the said children. Okay, which color were you, Jen? Can you remember? You were green? Alrighty, go on then, let's have a measure-up. Have we grown? Okay, has Xavier grown? Well, they're not exactly high heels. He, he's all right. Oh, straight, straight, and the ruler. It's okay. Lunch starts in an hour. Hurry up. Is there growth in Xavier? Wow. All right. Well done, Xavier. You've been eating your, your Weetabix or whatever you've been eating. 
What about James? About the same, two millimeters? <laughs> Fabulous. Well done, James. What have you been doing to grow? <laughs> Running around the house? Well, that does it. That does it. Well done. That is fabulous. That's fabulous. And, and one of the other, that's great, kids. So in a month's time, we're going to measure you again to see how we're growing. Wouldn't that be so easy if we could measure our spiritual life that way? And say, have we grown in our spiritual life? But anyway, uh, another way that we're going to show how much we grow is we have someone knitting in the front row here. And you might see on the, uh, the left here, there's a, a sign saying grow every, every week, Tanya, or every month? Every week, Tanya's going to hang her knitting on there so, she will, so we can see how much her knitting has grown. Isn't that cool? What a weird group we are. <laughs> Don't worry, it gets weirder this morning. Um, isn't it great, though, that Jesus loves weirdos? Amen. Someone asked me recently, uh, Trevor, you know we're talking about growing. Well, I want to grow in joy. I want to be more joyful in my everyday life. I want people to know me as someone who exudes joy. Now, I'm not going to tell you who that was. Just look around and look at, find someone miserable. <laughs> but I'm sure that is the same for a lot of us. We, we want to... We want to be more joyful. So this morning, we're going to grow in joy. So look at how we can become more joyful. And what better way to start than to have a good laugh? So I've asked some people to come and make us laugh. No pressure. First, I'm going to ask the kids to come up. I've uh, already warned them about this. So kids, if, if you want to come up, let me grab a microphone so people can hear you. They are going to tell us... Oh, oh, hang on. Thank you, thank you. They are going to tell us their favorite joke. All right. Favorite joke. Is that right? Who wants to go first? Oh, do you know what? Because there's so many of you. Pick your favorite one. Put your favorite joke. Nicholas, do you want to go first? All right. Do you want to hold the microphone right up there and tell every, speak loudly and tell everyone what your joke is? Why did the donut go to the doctors? Why? Because he needed to get more chocolate filling. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Xavier. Um, what did the you. pirate say when he got his peg leg stuck in an iceberg? What? Shiver me timbers. <laughs> <laughs> Shiver me timbers. 
Mermaid Timbers, fantastic. I'm still picking my favorite. All right, okay. I'm doing this one to Trevor. Oh, you're gonna do it to me? All right then. Put it closer to you. There we go. What's your name? Trevor. What's the color of water? Uh, blue. <laughs> What's the opposite of down? Up. Trevor, blue, up. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Isn't that cool? All right. Okay, Clary. Why shouldn't you trust a pastry chef? Because he'll desert you. <laughs> Fantastic. Trev, come a bit close here because of the microphone. Uh, I'm, I'm still picking mine, so. All right, okay. Why are E.T.'s eyes so big? Because he saw his phone bill. Because <laughs> <laughs> he saw his phone bill. Okay, right, where I'm we go? the same thing as James. Oh, no, no. All right. Okay, I'm just the stooge. Okay. <laughs> Imagine you're in a room with nothing. No doors, no windows, and like, you can't break through the wall. There's no air, Ethan. Oh, wow. How'd you get out? I don't know. Stop imagining. Uh, uh, there's always some clever dick, isn't there? Right, right okay, Rachel, where you go? Um, I've got a statistics joke, a chemistry joke, and a Harry Potter joke. <laughs> okay. Harry Potter joke. <laughs> okay, why did Barty Crouch Jr. stop drinking? Because it was making him moody. Trev. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether my friend was trying to be funny yesterday, but yesterday he, uh, he said to me, what rhymes with orange? And I said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, guys, go and sit down. That's, well, that's great. And I, I'm going to invite someone else to come up who's going to... Um, speak with us just for a few minutes. It's really interesting. Um, you find out the weirdest things about people. I found out something weird about Deirdre. Come up here, Deirdre. I found something weird about Deirdre the other day. She's a stand-up comic. <laughs> And she's just going to come and share a few things with us, my darling, aren't you? Yes. There you go. Good morning. <laughs> so I've been coming here for about two years now, and I just wanted to kind of share a bit about who I really am. Um, you probably see me in the back smiling, hi, goodbye, but I used to have depression, really, really deep depression, where I wouldn't leave my house for four days, and I couldn't talk to people and had anxiety. I had a lot of trauma things happened in the last two, three years. So I thought, after my mom died, I said, I have to pick myself up and do something and go out there and do the things I'm scared of, and that was stand-up comedy. So it was stand-up, stand-up for mental health, and they were offering this course, and I went out there and did it. I thought, maybe if I do this, I could have the courage to maybe get through my depression. 
And ironically, it has worked because it got me out. It gets me up in front of people like you, and it gets me out from the back of the church to the front of the church. <laughs> Amen. All right. So be kind. Some of these jokes are just really deep, and I'm being, <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, I'm being quite vulnerable with you and telling you a bit about myself. Okay. So, just a bit about me now. Uh, I've, um, I've always won, no. So, oh yeah, being black in Vancouver, this is it, yeah. Being black in Vancouver. I, sometimes I forget that. But yeah, being black in Vancouver, what can I tell you about this? Well, being black in Vancouver. When I see one of my girlfriends on the street corner, we're like, hi, oh hi, where do you live? Oh, oh, I live in East Van, oh, wow, really, nice to see you. And then I see two black people and we're standing on the corner together and we're like, oh hi, yeah, I know living in Vancouver is hard, yeah. Where do you go get your food? Where do you get your hair done? Where do you, you know, where do you find a boyfriend? I'm like, oh, I know. And when I see three friends in the corner and we're all standing around talking, we're like, yeah, hi. I know. You know what? I think we should kind of spread out. It kind of feels like a drug deal. <laughs> so I've always had this problem when, when I was growing up in my life, always wondering, you know, why do white people always turn red when they're angry? And then they turn yellow when they're sick, purple when they're bruised, brown when they tan, and green when they're envious, and they have the nerve to call me colored? <laughs> so uh, because of my anxiety and my depression I really don't want to leave the house so I was thinking oh they have online counseling this is awesome this is awesome I would never miss an appointment I can just stay home and I would never I can just have counseling and then the following week maybe I can do online fitness I can just stay in bed all week and breathe heavy <laughs> So I really like to go downtown east side because when I look around, I just feel so comfortable. You know, I look around, I see my mental illness everywhere. It's everywhere. Those cops, they're so dysfunctional. <laughs> so um, one time, I'm back when I was much younger or throughout my life, I suppose, I've tried many times to take my life. So I thought maybe I'd take a handful of pills. That's always the easiest, right? Take a handful of pills, put them back, and you're gone. But, you know, it never seems to work for me. I don't seem to take enough, or I just don't want to go. So what I do, I, get, I take them, I get really sick, I lie down, I'm like, ugh. So then I think, maybe I'll take a handful of X-Lask. I'm not feeling that well. You know what? That worked regularly. It worked, no problem. Why is it the X-Lax works? Well, I guess my body just adores chocolate. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty hard to just end it all. I think God just wants me to stick around. You know, I, I, I try, I thought maybe, maybe I'll jump off the first, maybe I'll jump off my balcony. Ah, oh, that'll work. But you know, unfortunately I live on the first floor. <laughs> So every time I jump off my balcony, I end up doing the gardening. <laughs> so
So what, what I've figured out now is that I need to be around people that validate me. People that, that say that you're, you're worthy, you need to be here, you, you're, we'll miss you if you were gone. So I've gone up to this group with a, a whole bunch of elderly ladies and I do rug cooking, I do a craft. And I've been praised for it, I've got my work into an art gallery, my work went to the US, I'm sending one to the Ellen Show, so Ellen DeGeneres can see my work. I know, I'm doing good stuff. So I really think that mental illness is about um, validating people, saying, making them know that they need to be here for one more day and that they're, um, yeah. And I got that from the women up in, up in Maple Ridge where they all gather around and for some reason I just thought my art's good and I'm good because I'm part of my art. So, so my friends really look at me really weird when I tell them I'm going up to Maple Ridge to do some hooking. I'm gonna hook all day. <laughs> I know, yeah, but it's all good, it's all good. So, so now I no longer just want to, no, I no longer want to kill myself. I'm really good, I'm validated, I've got my art going out, I'm feeling really good, so I no longer want to kill myself, I just want to kill everybody else. <laughs> Thank you very much. City View doesn't do different things. <laughs> it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, does that make you feel a bit more joyful? Does that... Are you feeling slightly happier than you normally do at the beginning of one of my sermons? You're feeling... Uh, uh, that's great. It makes a change, doesn't it? Laughter helps. Laughter helps lift our mood, doesn't it? Laughter can put us in a happier place. And thanks, kids, for sharing your, your jokes. That was fabulous. But that, that joy can be fleeting. You know, I guess our friend who wanted to know more joy in their life was looking for a joy that, that would last, maybe, a, a deep-down joy a joy even when stuff happens in our lives that are far from joyful. Uh, how do we grow in that joy? I guess that could be a question for many of us here. We've been looking at the last, over the last few weeks at spiritual disciplines. Uh, uh, those disciplines that if they become habits in our lives will help us grow. And I've been hearing how some of you are trying to adopt these disciplines, and that's great. You know, the discipline of meditation, the discipline of uh, prayer, the discipline of confession that we looked at last week. And to be honest, these have been really hard messages for us to hear. It's been tough and challenging. And I've really sensed a heavy atmosphere as we've been going through that. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I'm just sort of sensing that, that heaviness because these disciplines are hard. And if only there were a spiritual discipline that was a bit more fun. Like, for example, a spiritual discipline that would help us grow in joy. Wouldn't that be neat? Well, there is one. 
And today we're going to look at it. And I'm going to tell you what that discipline is. And I'm going to give you some practical hints about how to adopt that habit, that discipline, into your life so that it will help you grow in joy. Okay? But first, we need to talk about joy. A little bit about joy itself. We need to understand that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be joyful people. Seriously? Are you sure? But I thought being a Christian was all about suffering and denying yourself and being totally miserable. Well, that's what I thought before I became a Christian. I, used, I went to a Church of England school in the UK. And we, we would have to go to church. And it was the most boring, miserable time I'd ever spent. It was torture, and everyone looked so miserable. And they kept coming up to me and saying, Trevor, you need to meet Jesus, like me. I thought, no thanks. I can get the same reaction meeting my dentist. I mean, you know, it's not... But I tell you, this is not how it should be. The word joy... And its derivatives appear more than 300 times in Scripture. The Apostle Paul neatly summarized the Christian approach to joy when he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll tell you what, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. This isn't a suggestion. But actually, it's a command. The Bible puts joy in the non-optional category. If that's the case, then I guess joylessness is a sin. It may be the sin most readily tolerated by the church. It's rarely the object of church discipline, is it? I mean, you think about it. You know, I bring my brother before you today because he's indulged the sin of lust and of greed and being a miserable (laughs) so-and-so. You don't. It doesn't happen. But at the very heart of God is joy. And joy is at the very heart of his message to the world. That's what the angels said to the shepherds on the hillside announcing the birth of Jesus. Joy to the world. We will never be able to understand or grasp the significance of joy in our own lives until we understand the importance of joy to God. And for many of us, we find that hard to believe because our image of God is this growling, grumpy, impatient old man. But actually, he's more like a free-spirited, innocent child. Let me explain. It always amazes me what brings children joy. When my kids were little, the thing that brought 
them so much joy was me doing, do you know Round and Round the Garden, like a teddy bear? Do you know that one? You hold out the hand and you say, Round and Round the Garden, like a teddy bear. One step, two step, a tickle you under there. Try it. <laughs> to the person sitting next to you. But <clears throat> they loved it. And I, I did it once, and they loved it. I thought, that's great. And you know what they said? Do it again, again, again. And you did it again. Again, again. And you do it. Parents, you know this. You have to do it a hundred times. Do it again. Do it again. It's the simple joy of an innocent child. And God is like that child. I was thinking about this, and I was wondering... Is it possible that God says every morning to the son, do it again, do it again? Or the moon every night, do it again, do it again. And he gets as much joy each and every day from that. I wonder. And this joy of God isn't only seen in physical creation. It's also seen in us. Do you know how God is viewing you right now? That's a scary thought. How is God looking down on you right now? Well, I'll tell you. Listen to this. Zephaniah. Sorry, I'm having problems with my microphone here. There we go. Zephaniah 3:17. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst. He's right here now. A mighty one. He is mighty. And who will save you? He will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Do you understand that? God is looking at you right now and he's glad. And he's singing over you. Yes, even you. It's true. What a great picture of God's joy. And because joy is a basic characteristic of God, and if we are made in the image of God, then his intent is for us as image bearers to mirror his joy. But this joy isn't just a surface joy that, you know, is helped by laughter and, and listening to Deirdre, even though that's great. It's not the joy. The Bible doesn't speak about our need for a generic sort of joy, but, but a particular kind of joy that characterizes God. Jesus said this to his friends. He said that they should be filled with joy, but not any kind of joy. He said this. He said... Uh, I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and then your joy may be complete. We are to have the complete joy of Jesus in us. We are told that, that if the Holy Spirit lives in us, as we come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us, one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. Christ-like joy. 
So, so joy is who God is. Joy is who we are. St. Augustine said that a Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. I love that. We should be an alleluia from head to foot. In other words, joy should be one of the constant characteristics of every disciple of Jesus Christ. But hang on a minute, Trevor. That's a bit naive, isn't it? Be honest. We're probably all familiar with those alleluia Christians. Everything is fine, alleluia. But that's not what St. Augustine and Jesus meant. Our joy isn't naive, and it's certainly not disconnected from the harsh realities of life. It's actually the other way around. Our joy is deeply familiar with suffering, pain, and grieving. Dallas Willard said this. He said, a healthy faith before God cannot be built and maintained without the heartfelt celebration of his greatness and goodness to us in the midst of our suffering and terror. We'll tackle this in a minute, but joy, true joy, isn't just laughing at a joke. But it's being able to rejoice that God is good, and God is moving, and God is faithful, and God is trustworthy, and God is working out all things for the good of those that love and follow him, even when life sucks, life isn't going the way you want, or life isn't, you don't understand what's happening, even when your external circumstances are far from joyful. That is the joy that our Father yearns for us to have. You and I can be joyful people. You and I can experience and grow in that type of love. With God's help, it really is possible. But joyfulness isn't just a natural disposition. It's a supernatural fruit that we need to help grow. And for some of us, this does not come easily. Look at your faces. Some of us are joy impaired. Some of us might have to work at it, but it can be done. How? Well, through a spiritual discipline. You knew I would get there. There's a spiritual discipline that will help us grow in joy. Do you know what it is? It's the spiritual discipline of celebration. There is such a thing. Praise God. We have to discipline ourselves to celebrate. Those of us who want to pursue joy, to grow in joy, need to practice the discipline of celebration. Now, there's a subtle difference between cool and the gang type celebration (laughs) and spiritual celebration. Yeah, you've got it in your head now, haven't you, that song? Yeah, I know. It's a pleasure. Cool and the gang celebration generally involves activities that bring pleasure, gathering with people we love, eating, drinking, singing and dancing. Spiritual celebration means doing none of those things. No singing, no drinking, and certainly no dancing. 
No! <laughs> Spiritual celebration can include all of those things. Praise God! Praise God! But we celebrate focusing not on our own need for personal gratification, but focusing on the one who showers us with his love and goodness and all good things. Do you see the difference? So how do we actively pursue this celebration, uh, sorry, this spiritual discipline of celebration? Okay, just to end with practical, this is the practical part. Those of you who are really practical, practical you can, uh, you can start listening now. How do we do that? First of all, throw a party. Throw a party. Intentionally find time and reason to celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate big things and little things. Any excuse for a party. Celebrate making it through a tough week. You know, TGIF can really be an item of praise and thanks rather than a dodgy restaurant. (laughs) Celebrate the kids getting a good mark at school. Praise God for that. Make family and friend events into a time of Christ-centered celebration and thanksgiving. Make birthdays a big thing. My brother, I hope he's not listening to this, my brother hates his birthday, hates it with a passion because he doesn't want to get older. I thought, how sad, why don't you celebrate your life? Celebrate birthdays, make a big thing of them, celebrate um Anniversaries, make them a big thing. Celebrate anniversaries of relationships or significant events, like moving. You know, we moved this time last year, let's have a party. Finishing chemo, let's do that, let's throw a party. Have it. it's, it's a year anniversary since I had my last bath. Praise God! <laughs> let's have a party. I don't know, use your imagination. Use your, get into the habit of celebrating and giving thanks for small things. City View, I think a healthy church should be a church of parties. That will be in my resignation letter. (laughs) Second thing, second thing. Second thing, so throw a party first thing. Second thing you need to do to uh, get into this habit of spiritual discipline and celebration, find a joy mentor. Uh, Each of us know people who are joy carriers, don't we? When we're around them, they just exude joy and they breathe life into us. Value them. Thank them. Above all, get intentional about being with them. And that's important because there are other people in our lives 
who tend to suck the joy out of it. Those people who enjoy playing the victim and everything is awful all the time. In my previous church, there was a guy that I befriended, miserable so-and-so. He would always complain about something and, and he was complaining, oh, my phone's broken. Phone's broken, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing, I can't phone anyone, I can't look at the internet, I can't text people, I have phone, I have phone. I thought, oh, I was so fed up with this, I went and bought him a phone. And I gave him this phone and I said, look, look, it's one of the new ones, you know, and you can text and uh, you can make calls, you can get onto the internet, I've got you a bit of a data plan here and, and that sort of thing. You know what he said? He said, oh. Don't like the color. <laughs> Seriously? You don't like the color? Now, don't mishear me. Trevor said we should only associate with joyful people. No, that's not what I'm saying. We need to be with the miserable people. And we need to love them. And we need to keep pointing them to Jesus. But we also have to be careful to not let them shape us. Perhaps the least surprising statement in Scripture is found in Proverbs, which says, Smiling faces make us feel happy. Isn't that lovely? Smiling faces make us feel happy, and it's true. We need to identify a few people in our lives who play that role, especially if we tend to be joy-challenged. Make a regular joy appointment to spend some time with such a person. Even tell them, actually, you know, I'm, I'm actually quite a miserable person, if you didn't know. Uh, and I'm trying to break out of that. I really want to exude the, the joy of God in my life. Tell them that. And then pray for each other. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come and that fruit of joy just start to come out of that person. Practical. Find a joy mentor. Third thing, maybe set aside a day a week. If joy doesn't come easily to you, you, you might have to designate one day a week to be your personal celebration day. Don't filled with pleasant things. You know, devote a specific day to acts of celebration that so that eventually joy will infuse your entire life. One day a week. Eat foods you love to eat. Listen to music that moves your soul. Play a sport that stretches or challenges you. Read books that, that refresh your spirit. Wear clothes that make you happy. Even if it's your pajamas, wear it for the day. Surround yourself with beauty. And as you do those things, give thanks to God for his wonderful goodness. <clears throat> Take the time to experience and savor joy. Then direct your heart towards God so that you can come to know that he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. <clears throat> Simple thing, but that's a way to encourage joy in your life. Fourth, the last thing, and this is the biggest one. Discipline your mind to view life from God's perspective. This one's huge. The biggest way to grow joy in your life. You see, to a large extent, joy flows from a certain kind of thinking. 
a certain way of viewing things. But spiritual joy doesn't just come from positive thinking. It actually comes from what you might call eschological thinking. That is, we view our lives and the events in our lives that happen through God's eyes and in light of the resurrection and the ultimate triumph of the risen Jesus. Let me explain what I mean. I know it's difficult, but what we are experiencing now, however hard and emotionally draining, is temporary. It will pass. Paul writes this in in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on just the troubles that we have, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I was thinking about one of the happiest and most joyful weddings that I've ever been to. It was our friends Steve and Maureen. They met at Regent College and um, fell in love. They were an older couple, fell in love, and they um, they were going to get married. And it was a wonderful wedding. It shouldn't have been a happy wedding. Because after they announced their wedding plan, Maureen was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And she only had a few months left to live. And they brought forward the wedding. And on that day, (laughs) Steve uh, stood at the front and said those words, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to love you in sickness and in health. Till death, us do part. Knowing that Maureen was to die just a few months later. And yet, the joy that came out of this couple was amazing. They both knew the Lord. They both realized that, yeah, okay, their marriage is going to end on earth but so much more was waiting for Maureen in heaven and it was the most joyful wedding I'd been to in such awful circumstances because they had set their eyes fixed their eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen the final book of the Bible Revelation tells us that there's going to be a time when God will dwell with his people and he's going to wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. And do you know what's going to happen then? It's going to be the biggest celebration you have ever seen. He will dance and celebrate with his people. A time when joy will reign undiminished 
and uninterrupted. A time for the biggest celebration that will never end. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, a a time when you'll go out with joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills, they'll burst in the song before you. And all the trees of the field are going to clap their hands. (sighs) Rejoice in the Lord always. Actually, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. We can grow in joy. You and I can become joyful people. People. If, and we can grow in joy if we embrace the discipline of celebration. So when should we start? Well, how about now? The psalmist says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He doesn't say, yesterday was God's day. Oh, how happy was I yesterday. Nor does he say, you know, tomorrow's going to be a great day. I'll just, you know, endure it until then. This day. He says, with all its shortcomings, with all its uncertainties, with all of its pain, is still the day that the Lord has made. You see, we all live with the illusion that joy will come someday when conditions change. We go to school and we think, you know what, I'm going to be happy when I graduate. And then we graduate and think, oh, I've got to get a job now. We're broke. And we're convinced we'll be happy when we get some money. We're struggling at work and we're convinced that we'll be happy if only I can just get another job. We're struggling with our kids and decide we'll be happy when they grow up and leave home. (laughs) Then they do and we think we were happier when they were at home. This is God's day, the psalmist says. It's the day God made, the day that Christ's death has redeemed. If we are going to know joy, it must be in this day, today. If we don't rejoice today, we won't rejoice at all. If we wait until conditions are perfect, We'll be waiting until we die. If we're going re- to rejoice, it must be in this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you. Bless you, Father. Father, I thank you for our kids. I thank you for the joy that they bring us. Thank you for them standing up here and telling us their jokes. Thank you for the joy that exudes out of little children. Father, I want to thank you for Deirdre. I thank you, Lord, that even in her struggles and depression, she has joy. 
She has salt joy. Joy in you. She knows that she is worthy in you. She has a wonderful identity in you. Thank you for the joy that exudes out of Deirdre. Father, for those of us who so need your joy this morning, will you come by your spirit and fill us with your joy? Not a temporary joy, not a fleeting joy, but a joy that is based on what you have done for us and what you have already prepared for us. Father, even in those times when we don't understand what's going on, that where we see pain and suffering, Lord, give us a measure of your joy in our lives and help us to grow in joy. In the beautiful and wonderful name of Jesus, we pray.